In this week's episode, I am chatting with money and life coach Kayla Lyon. Kayla works with women and their families to help them set up and accomplish their financial goals. And we talk about the common limiting beliefs that we can carry, where they come from, and then how she helps people to overcome them. Because money is something that can cause so much stress in a family, but it's also one of those things that people rarely talk about openly. And she firmly believes that we should talk about money as openly as possible. So she is working to remove those taboos and to help people through those stigmas that typically get attached to the topic. It is an awesome chat. She talks about the common belief that we need to work hard, to work long hours, to be successful, and the length of time being attached to sort of a measure of our worth. There's a lot to unpack in this episode. It's a great conversation. She really helps to make it simple and accessible and a topic that can bring about a lot of anxiety. I definitely came away from our chat inspired to make a few shifts myself, and I really hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of Mom Camp, and each episode I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Kayla, and welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am happy too. I am pretty pumped and I'll admit a little bit scared about the topic we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> it's not exactly my strength, I will say. It's not my wheelhouse. So can you start by introducing yourself, who you're a mom to, all the things? Uh, my name is Kayla Lyon. Um, I have a three-year-old and a, one, a three-year-old daughter and a one-and-a-half-year-old son. Um, and they are wonderful. And I lovingly refer to them as my little circus because nice. that's how it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a Navy veteran. I'm a Marine wife um, and I'm a life and money coach. And I help my clients figure out all of their um, money stuff, whether that's like limiting beliefs or why they're, what goals they have or why they're not achieving their goals or how to get, get through, like get to where they want to go. So pretty much anything. I end up kind of coaching on everything because money touches pretty much every aspect of our lives in one way or another. So we, we kind of cover the gamut. It does for sure. Okay. First question, just take us back to how you got into this type of work. Oh, that's a great question. So I've always been a huge, like personal finance money nerd, like just mm. kind of naturally I have an engineering background and, um, my dad was a small business owner for a while and he owns some rental properties now. And he like, that's, you know, kind of how he supports himself now. So that's always been very interesting to me. Um, when I got out of the Navy, I became a stay at home mom and my husband's a Marine. So we still move around quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me to have like a kind of like a normal career wasn't really realistic just because no. we're like moving all the time. Um, and I love my kids more than anything, of course, but I very quickly realized that I needed something outside of them. That was, yeah, kind of totally. <laughs> um, so I started writing a personal finance blog, just kind of like throw in words on the page to see what stuck. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's very slowly kind of evolved into 
this coaching, as I learned that one being like a financial life coach was a thing and that I could do it virtually. Like I meet all my clients on zoom and I can do it no matter where we live and people really need it. There's a huge need for it. Um, and I can, it kind of checks all of the boxes for me that the Navy did from like the warm, fuzzy kind of corny place where it's like, I'm like, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say people. the Navy is warm and fuzzy. Like, no, it's not, it's not at all actually. <laughs> but the, what I love the most about it was like impacting my sailors and like really making a difference, um, on like, just like being a part of something bigger than myself and like For having sure. a very, um, I guess, tangible quote unquote, kind of like impact on the world. Like, I know that sounds very like meta, but I just really no, felt I, love like I was like showing up for something important every day. Yeah. Um, I learned and grew so much and seeing the impact that I had on my sailors and that they had on me, it made all of the red tape garbage stuff worth it. Right. Like it made, yeah. it made like the good vastly outweighed the bad. Um, and so that's kind of what I get with coaching now is that I get to help my clients and we like make real huge, like impact and like change the financial trajectory of their lives, which is huge. Um, plus I get to kind of like share what I've learned and like, you know, just kind of like my journey as we go. Um, so that's now I get like all of the warm fuzzy stuff without all of like the bureaucratic bureaucratic red tape. Along totally. With it. <laughs> totally. I love it. I love it. So what is the most common problem that like, how do people get started with you? What is the typical thing that they would come to you with? Do they know they have money problems? Like what? <laughs> so far, most of my clients are aware that maybe not that they, maybe they don't think that they have money problems, but it's a lot of we're here and we're doing okay but we want to get here or mm. we wish we were here or like, we're okay now, but we feel like we should be farther along for whatever reason. Like we make, you know, this amount of money, but we still, we don't have much in savings or mm -hmm. there's a lot of like, we make good money, but we don't really know where it all goes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why they come to me to begin with. Um, and we, most of the time it turns out that there's some kind of like, just underlying limiting belief that's mm. kind of like sabotaging them without even knowing it. And right. so when we can really kind of get into that and crack that nut open, one acknowledging it obviously is like the first step, like that piece is huge to begin with, but then we slowly work on, um, working our way to beliefs that are much more like serving. And then mm. that's how that's kind of like how the shift starts. Right. And then from there, like your actions just kind of like fall into place. And then all of a sudden you achieve your goals. It's like magic. It's like magic. No problem. <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> it's, it's simple. It's not always easy, but it's fairly good. simple. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. distinction. So where do you think those limiting beliefs come from? I think a lot of it comes from just like how you were raised and your background and your, um, we all have so many subconscious kind of like underlying thoughts and beliefs that we don't even know are there, mm -hmm. whether, I mean, about like everything, like oh, yeah. race and gender and money and just like literally every like policy, like literally everything, right? Um, money's a really interesting one because it's one of those taboo subjects that you're not supposed to talk about, right? right? But it's such a huge source of stress in our culture and in our country. And to me, trying to be good at like managing your money and just like your basic personal finance, but never talking about it is like trying to learn algebra without talking about addition. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can't do it right. Like you can't be good at something if you never talk about it to anybody. Right. I um, mean, I think that's kind of one of the things, one of the reasons why 
I kind of found myself in this world with this passion is because my parents, we always talked about money. Like it was a very normal thing. And my, both my parents were very open about it. And like, I always kind of, even as a young kid, like it wasn't a burden they put on me, but I always kind of knew like kind of where we stood and what was going on. And so as I became an adult and I learned that it is weird to talk about money, (laughs) that blew my mind. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I thought it was totally normal. Mm -hmm. So my kind of like main mission is to just talk about it and make it super normal and like kind of remove the stigma and the judgment that comes from it. Because to me, that's like step one of, of several, but once you kind of get over that initial hurdle, then it's just, it's just numbers. It's just math. Like when you right. can remove like the drama and like the judgment from it, then it's fine. Well, it's so tied to what money represents in the image it can portray, what Absolutely. you can afford, the sweater, the purse, the you know house, whatever it is that you can afford financially or otherwise to put into your life. And then what that demonstrates is your value, right? You no, know, it's, that's it. I think social media has done that for us too, right? Like it's showed people they want more. It's the marketing genius of the world is making people want more and thinking this will solve their problems by having like the perfect granite countertop. So to admit that you can't acquire those things because you don't have enough numbers in your bank account, (laughs) you know, it's, it's sort of, it, um, threatens your value, your personal value. So it's, it's a big, deep thing. I can only imagine. And that's, that's, you just hit the nail on the head. Like that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients is untying the numbers from like your worth as a person. And even like the value you create in the world, like through your job, like everybody thinks that we trade time for money when really you're not like you're, you're trading your value for your money, but it just, because we kind of work in like an hourly kind of system, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to kind of like make that, make that assumption. Um, so that's another thing that we really have to like, when I'm working with my clients who are like starting businesses or stuff like that, where we have to kind of unwind the, I have to work harder to make more money. When in reality, if you streamline it and you're efficient and you just create a lot of value, that's what is going to make you the money, not the time that you put in. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause it's also tied to that sort of productivity cycle of feeling like I have to work 20 hours a day as an entrepreneur to be successful, to be productive right. when, you know, And even if you're aiming to get to a point where you only work four hours a day and you make an incredible income and you're providing so much value, getting rid of that guilt piece about not working as hard as you could, right? Right. It's, yeah. Because that's exactly what our, that's what we've been conditioned to think. Yeah. Right. Like if you go home before four or 5 PM or like whenever, like the end of your work day is you're slacking off and you're not doing enough. When in reality you could have produced twice as much as the guy sitting next to you, but that's not how we look at it as a society. And so that's, I think in like entrepreneurship, you have the opportunity to kind of make your own rules a little bit, but you have to, you have to like, you know, get through all the hurdles to get there because it's, you have to kind of like undo like all the, all of the conditioned thoughts that we have, like in our employee kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this, this, we could go in so many different directions with this. This is just, it's, it goes so deep. So do you, I hear a lot, a lot of people are talking about like, um, in podcasts and books and everything about the lack versus abundance mentality. Is that what you sort of go into is like that? Very much so. Okay. So can you explain that for, for the audience? Okay. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to pose a couple of questions to kind of, for your audience to kind of ask themselves, because mm. I think that'll help kind of explain it a little bit better. Um, so some of my favorite questions are, and this is, will just kind of like help you identify your overall, like kind of money mindset, like on a very mm. broad okay, cool. level, but it'll, it'll become fairly apparent whether it's like more of an abundance or more of a scarcity pretty quickly. So, um, a couple of questions that I love are one is how do you feel about rich people? So rich is very subjective. Like there's no mm -hmm. number attached to it. So you can just decide that you're rich right now. Like it's totally <laughs> fine because there's no rule, like, like something like a millionaire, like there's like a definitive number. Mm -hmm. It's just the math. Like you're either on one side of it or another, but rich is super subjective. And like, what is rich to Oprah and what is rich to you and me are probably not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that being said, how you feel about it and like what comes up for you when you think about rich people, like, and this is where some of the, like the kind of self-sabotaging stuff comes in um, with your underlying money beliefs is if you are convinced that all rich people are terrible, evil people, then you are going to sabotage yourself in trying to, to not become that rich, status, right? right? Um, contrary is if you think rich people are like, if you think of like Oprah and she has like done all this good in the world and she, you know, gives back and all that. So you have this like really positive kind of outlook on rich people that you can make a ton of money and still be a good quote unquote, good person, mm -hmm. then that will obviously like shift kind of your, your perspective and how you show up and then how you create the value and, and receive money in, in return in your own mm -hmm. life. Um, same question about poor people. How do you feel about poor people? Like, do you automatically assume that they messed up and they are just getting what they deserve? Or I'm, that's an extreme example, obviously. For sure. Or like, do you assume that like, oh, they probably got a hard rap and like they deserve the benefit. You know what I mean? Like there's this, the, there's the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, one of my other favorites is what do you think when you log into your bank account? Mm. Like before you log in your bank account, like, is it something you have to like convince yourself to go do because you're well, and do it? you log into your bank account? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you just completely ignore it forever and ever? Amen. Right. Do you have to like really convince yourself because you're dreading it? Or do you just like log in and you look at the number and you're like, okay, like that's how much money you have. Like this mm -hmm. isn't a problem. Um, same about paying your bills. Like if you get your electric bill, are you like, this is awesome because I'm going to pay this and I'm going to flip the switch and magically all the lights are going to come on. Or you're going to be like, Oh, like I have to pay this bill and it's so much this month. And then winter's coming and the heat and it's going to be like, so that kind of like your perspective on how you pay your bills and especially like the quote unquote necessities, mm -hmm. um, like groceries is another great example. Like, do you feel really fortunate that you can just like go to the grocery store and like come home with food? Or is it this like begrudging kind of like chore that you have to do that you, ha that you hate spending money on? Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of circling back to talking about rich people is, do you think that you're rich right now? And if not, what, what is your definition of like, what mm -hmm. would you need to achieve monetarily or otherwise in order for you to decide you're rich? That's kind of coming back to what, what I said before about how there's no like actual definition, right? It's like super subjective. Mm -hmm. um, so you can just decide right now that you are, regardless of how many dollars you have to your name. Well, and I think it's, do you frame it as I am rich or I have a rich life? Because exactly. if you have a rich life, it doesn't have to be a monetary, you know, exactly. connection. It can just be love and connection and all of those pieces. So exactly. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so much. So how do you move people from scarcity into abundance? The first step is figuring out where we're starting from. Mm. Um, so like I said, like I go through some of these questions um, and I have, I put together kind of like a longer kind of like workbook that I'm happy mm. to give you the link for if your audience is interested, that's just, it's totally free, but it's, um, there's, it's kind of like along these lines where it's just, you go through more and we, there's more questions and you kind of, it's like a bit of a journaling exercise where you just kind of like start writing and 
you just kind of see what falls out because you'd be surprised, right. right? Like, of course, like most people, if you say, how do, how do you feel about poor people? Like most people aren't just going to like blurt out that they're like terrible people and like the worst <laughs> thing in the world, right? Like <laughs> most people, some people I'm sure would, but, um, when you just kind of like unfilter yourself and you start writing and you just kind of like create that space for yourself where you're like, I'm not going to let anybody see this. And you, you kind of like remove some of the judgment it's, you'll be really surprised at what comes up. Um, so starting from that point is really helpful because then sometimes there will be like thoughts that you have that you don't realize that you have, but as soon as you see them, you're like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't believe that. Like, this is not a problem. Like I can just completely move past this right now. And like, you can drop it in an instant. There are others that, and it's different for everybody, right? Like Mm -hmm. it just kind of depends on where you are, but there are others that will come up and it's like intellectually, you know, that it's not serving you, you know, that it's not helpful, you know, that it's not something you want to hold on to, but it's not as easy to just drop. So that's where we start really doing the work because we work on shifting and we call them kind of like ladder thoughts or bridge thoughts where it's like, you can't just go from I'm terrible with money to I'm a money genius. You have to kind of, if you, if you don't really believe it, like if you decide right. that you believe you're a money genius, like that's great. And that's all that matters. But if you don't really believe it, most people can't just make that jump, you know, in a minute, that's where we kind of like work through, um, kind of like steps to get to the point where you want to be, um, with your beliefs. So if you start from, I'm terrible with money, our next step might be, you just have to find something that you believe that's like just kind of like one step in the right direction. Mm. So it might be something like, um, I've made mistakes with money in the past, but I'm learning or, I did the best that I could with the information that I had at the time and I'm learning to do better or, you know, I'm any, anything like that, where it's kind of like, it's still not like this perfect unicorn thought over here that we're trying to get to, but it kind of just takes one level of the like heaviness and like kind of the judgment off of it. Mm -hmm. And then once you like really get into there and you believe that, then we kind of like take the next step and then the next step. And then all of a sudden you you're in this place where you're like completely confident with, uh, you know, your money or your financial situation in general, or just like mortgage debt is a, is a great one that comes mm-hmm. up. Like I've got some people who have tons and tons of mortgage debt and it's not a problem at all. I've got other people who have like relatively really low mortgage debt and they're like, Oh my God, I shouldn't have this. It's a problem because I shouldn't mm. pay it off by now. And all of a sudden, so stuff like that, where it's like, once you kind of like take away the, like all the thoughts about it and you realize yeah. that it's just a number on the page, you can really kind of move through um, your limiting beliefs and get to a place where you can kind of like pass through neutral and then get to a place where you're like, you feel confident about what's going on and kind of your situation. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, it's so much easier to like go after what you want and actually achieve it instead of like ultimately self-sabotaging yourself, kind of like what we talked about before. Totally, totally. I have a couple of questions. First one, <laughs> I was just going to say, it's interesting how layered those limiting beliefs are because you go from your opinion on money in general and rich people and all of that to your opinion or your beliefs on how you handle money, right? Right. Like there's money's evil, money causes problems, like at the high end of the spectrum. And then there's, I'm not good with money. I, you know, can't save. I like it's, it's sort of twofold. Right. Right. But I was curious what do some of those self-sabotaging behaviors of a, a scarcity mindset show up as? Oh, so many things. Um, one that you just said, which is a beautiful example is like having the thought, like I'm not good at saving or like, I don't know how to save money. Mm-hmm. Like that will generally show up. So it's like, you have the thought, like, I'm not good at saving money. 
that's not going to like magically produce the action of you saving a bunch of money, right? right? Like, I mean, that's like a very cut and dry kind of straightforward example, but it's perfect because you're going to have this feeling of probably like self-doubt or um, like it'll, it'll show up a little bit differently for everybody or like dread or um, lack of like complete lack of confidence or anything like that. And that from that place, you're not going to say like, okay, today, like I got my paycheck and I'm going to put 15% in the bank and it's going to be great. And I'm not going to go spend it because you are convinced that you don't know how to save money. Mm. So you're going to, you're going to find a way to spend it whether like, like consciously or unconsciously, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't, it's always like conscious to actually like go and like swipe your card and spend the money. Right. But it's like, there's so many times it feels like it's happening to you and you're like, I don't know what happened. Um, Do you know what I mean? So that's a really good example. And then all of a sudden from that action, you have produced the result of not being able to save any money, which then proves your thought I'm bad at saving money. And so you just perpetuate the cycle round and round we go. So when you work on the, when you identify the thought as I'm bad at saving money. And then we work on that, you Mm -hmm. kind of loosen it up a little bit and slowly start to work through that ladder and like shifting it to something that serves you more. And then eventually get to the point where I'm great at saving money. And then magically you're great at saving money. So do you work with people to like, say, okay, first step, you are going to save this little piece of money. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Like and sort of demonstrate to them that they can. Yeah, for sure. So the beauty of this is like, when you, when you say like, I've never been able to save any money before, so I can't do it. Mm. Most of the time that's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, pretty much everybody can find a place in their lives where they either like found five bucks in their couch or in their car and like, hadn't spend it. Or like they had a piggy bank when they were a kid or like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that very, very definitive all or nothing statements like that are very sneaky because they seem true and almost they're almost never true. (laughs) So that is a really good way to kind of like start to loosen that up is you find these examples of how it's not true, even, Mm. even in really small ways, like it kind of starts to, to loosen it a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, so I do like, so this is kind of like the strategic, like mindset kind of side of what I do. And then I do get into like the more like tactical stuff where we're like, we set up a budget and we kind of go through, like mm-hmm. I, I preach value-based value-based spending. Um, I don't think that you should just like cut everything out of your life. And if you want to go to Starbucks every day, like if that's what's important to you, then like we absolutely should budget for that. And that's good. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you should just like completely like wipe the, wipe the slate clean because that's not sustainable. And that's where you get like into the, into the white knuckling mm-hmm. and it doesn't, and then in the, it's like scarcity and it just kind of perpetuates the cycle and it ultimately doesn't work. So, um, when we get into like budgeting and spending plan, um, and kind of like more like the tactical, like math, like money in money out, that's where we work on what's really important to you. Like, what do you value most? That's where we're going to focus most of your budget. And then the stuff that you don't really care about as much, we're going to like trim that back a little bit. So you don't have this resistance, mm-hmm. um, to, to follow to like, it's, it's kind of like setting yourself up for, for success, right? Like totally. you're going to kind of like want to remove as much resistance in your plan as possible. Yeah. You don't feel restricted. So you don't resent it. So you stick exactly. with it. It's like, exactly. you know, changing your nutritional habits. Like it's the it's same it. thing, right? Weight loss and yeah. saving money is like the exact same principles. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Now, for how sure. do you, I assume you have a very healthy relationship with money and you have a good mindset about it. So how do you demonstrate that for your kids? I mean, it sounds like your family kind of demonstrated it well for you. So you grew up with a healthy mindset. So then how can people that are coming through this with your clients or whoever that are coming through this, then leave a legacy of uh, positive thoughts around money? So 
I'm still, to be honest, I'm still working on that because okay. my kids are well, so young so that little. I don't. Yeah, How will like you? My oldest... <laughs> future, future case. How will you? <laughs> my oldest is three. So I'm, I can't yeah. give you like, this is for sure what works because I'm still working for sure. um, on it. I have thought a lot about it though. And so I can give you kind of like my like overarching philosophy that yeah. not tried and true yet. And sort of plan closer. that you will attempt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I think is kind of unique for me is that my husband also, his parents were also very, um, conscious about teaching him and his siblings about money and personal mm. finance and kind of being quote unquote responsible and all that stuff, except they're, so they talked about it a lot, but they're a lot more private from like their actual like numbers and stuff. And so again, like I said earlier, I'm learning that I'm kind of like the like unicorn that's like out in left field as far as like how I was raised. Cause like, even now, like I have a very like, good idea of kind of like my parents, like finding, and my parents split when I was very young and like my mom's remarried, but even with my stepdad, like I just have a decent idea of like where they stand financially. And like, if something happens to them, like I know what to do and all of that. And I know like kind of like the probability of like, are we going to have to, like my brother and I, are we going to like have to step in like as they, you know what I mean? Like, so Mm -hmm. I think it's super duper important to talk about that, especially as you, when you have adult children, because as we live longer, like that's kind of coming. It's like, we've got this like student loan thing in the beginning of life. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your aging parents need help. So it's like, you're kind of in this place where you're kind of getting it from both sides. So I, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so, so, so important to be open about it. Um, but I, I say all that to say my husband, he and I have a very similar kind of like money philosophy because again, okay. like his parents were very intentional about teaching him, but they're still very private. And like, even my husband and his siblings, like, don't really know kind of like, like, we know that they're fine. We know they're comfortable and they're retired and we're not worried, but we don't really know, um, as much about their situation, which is completely fine. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not good or bad at all. It's just very different. So it's been kind of cool for me to see that there are several ways to kind of approach this and still produce like the overall results of like having, you know, like teaching your kids about money and, and how to kind of like be personally fiscally responsible. Um, I think the really most important thing is just talk about it. Like, mm. I know that sounds so cliche and so simple, but again, like I've learned, like most people don't, most families don't, it blows my mind, the amount of couples and like, in like marriages or like long-term committed relationships who have no idea what the other one's doing or how much money they have, or like all of a sudden you're like three years into a marriage and you find out your significant other has like 30 grand in like credit mm-hmm. card debt that you didn't even know about. Like, so I really think that the number one way is just to talk about it, especially with your kids and just make it very normal, especially as we move to more of like a credit-based like cashless society. I think it's a little bit harder for kids because it's not as tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, but even something as simple as like a piggy bank, you know, like and talking like through the coins and, and the dollars and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've heard something that I'm very interested in that I'll probably at least, at least explore as my kids get older is having like a bank of mom and dad. So like, mm. you know, as you're, kids get like money for birthdays or whatever, they can deposit it like in the bank of mom and dad and you give them some ridiculous interest rate, like 50% or something, mm-hmm. right? And so you, you match it, but then you can kind of like, whether it's on a spreadsheet or a graph or something, you can show them how it grows. Mm. Um, so it's like very concretely and very quickly demonstrates the power of compound interest, mm. which is super important, um, which I can see that being a, kind of like a hard concept, especially for younger kids because it's like the opposite of immediate grat- gratification. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so without like super tried and true, like concrete methods mm-hmm. um, to offer your listeners, unfortunately, I really think that just talking about it, um, with one caveat, if you are feeling financial stress, 
it's important that your kid that you talk about with your kids and like they're aware, but it, I, I, my personal philosophy, it's also very important that you don't put that burden on them. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That makes sense. And I feel like that's a very fine line trying to like talk about it and just be aware, but not putting that on them because you know, when you're 10, like you've got a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. right. You got to worry about stuff on the playground and everything else. Like you don't need to be carrying around like your parents' financial burden. That's well. totally. So that's my only caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, yeah. so let's say <laughs> a kid gets $50 for a birthday. Okay. What would you recommend? Cause my kids are very much into immediate gratification and we are trying, we, we fight this every time and it, we're very grateful that they're given money. Like it's, it's an amazing thing um, because then they get to choose what they want, but we also want to teach them responsible money management. And we tried the save, give, spend jars that did not work. Uh, <laughs> it, like I'd they, be curious to hear, like, why did, why do you think it didn't work? Like kind of what, what was the result? Like, how did that go? Well, they wanted to completely deplete the spend jar immediately. Okay. They wanted, they didn't understand the save jar. They understood the give jar, which was lovely. That's good. That's good. Um, but they, they didn't really understand the save jar. Like, why am I saving it? I, I have it. So I should be able to spend it. If I'm, if I'm saving it for something I want, I want to spend it. So, you know, like I mean, that's fair logic. So like you can't really completely, argue with that. <laughs> and so we tried several ways. And then the, the other thing that for our son specifically, but even our daughter to some degree, they have the money. We really struggle with them sort of thinking future forward. Like what if there's a hundred dollars, something that you want a month from now, or two months from now, or when Christmas comes and you get another little lump of money, you could save your money. And actually, you know, like my husband has, um, like he was saving for some video game console or something when he was little. Right. And he right. saved and saved and saved and he had a paper route and he saved and he saved and he saved and he finally bought himself the thing. And I mean, everybody has those examples and right. our kids are just like, well, yeah, I don't really need that future thing. I would like these things right now. Let's well, go shopping a- right now. But why is that a problem for you as their mom? That's a really good question because they're spending for the sake of spending. Like we can watch, we, we can see their intention and it's not, it's not, it's because they just simply want to spend it. Not because they necessarily really, really want the thing. It's because um, 13 and 11. Okay. But so think about when you were 13 and I don't have a 13 year old yet. Right. So mm-hmm. I might eat my words in 10 years, <laughs> but think about when you were 13, like if you didn't have, so like you said, like your husband's got like the video game console story mm-hmm. and you're right. Like, I think we all have that, like one thing that we mm-hmm. like really focused on and super motivated for, but if your kids don't have that yet, then, then it kind of makes sense that they're like, well, why am I going to save for this thing that doesn't even exist? Totally. Right. So like as a 13 year old, again, like, and th- their logic is sound, right? Like I, I want to spend it. Like, that's what I want to. I don't want this thing in the future. I want to spend it now. So what's the problem? And the reason why I ask you is what's the problem for you as a mom, especially if they understand the give jar, like that's awesome mm-hmm. because that's like a very, th- like, I feel like that's kind of like the important part. And again, like that's just my totally. opinion, right. But like, that's totally. kind of like the, the, um, one of the cornerstones. And so if they understand that, I think honestly, the best way, instead of trying to like kind of like fight against them with it. Even if, even if you know 
that they're just spending just to spend it, Mm -hmm. that might just be a lesson that they need to learn on their own. Do you know what I mean? I guess I know that's not the answer that you want. (laughs) No, no, no. I guess like you asked why it's important for me. It's because, I mean, I'm not a good saver. I will be totally transparent. I'm, I mean, that's my limiting belief. I know (laughs) in my experience, I have not made saving a priority. Let's say that. And so, uh, unless it's something that matters, like I saved for the sabbatical that I'm currently on you know, we made a plan and we stuck to it. We made it automatic. Like we did all the right things. And so it's it sounds working. like you're a great saver. Uh, well, yes, I am now a great saver for those things. Uh, <laughs> listen to me and all my limiting beliefs. But so <laughs> what I'm seeing with my kids is they, I just, I don't want them to grow up with a habit of spending it the second you get it, never saving it. Because I think they're at a critical age where now we can actually help them develop that habit of saving and just understand that like when you get your paycheck or when you get whatever, you put 15% away, like you said, and that just becomes a thing. So as opposed to just, I get my paycheck and I spend it. Like, right. it's, you know what I mean? Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. I can definitely, I can totally appreciate like why that's like red flags to you for sure. Yeah. Like, even like for me, I'm like, I'm totally with you. I'm like, what do you mean? Like you have to save it because you never know when you need to have an emergency fund blah, blah, blah. Like this is like mm-hmm. my home world. Right. So I can totally relate to why you, why this is like, you're having resistance about this for sure. Um, but I just want to point out that like you started that with, I'm not a good saver. (laughs) And then you told me that you did a great job saving up for something that was important to you, Mm -hmm. like the sabbatical that you're on. So when you had a goal, when you had a reason, I'm sure like whether you've like bought a house or a car or like whatever, when you had a reason to save up for something specific, you did it and you did Mm -hmm. it beautifully. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the rub for them right now, because one, they're 11 and 13 and they don't have like the just like brain development to be able to see past the nose on their face right now because it's right. like their job, right? Like, that's well, and especially our son, are. he's 13 and he, in addition to other things, he has ADHD, which as a, my understanding of ADHD is time. Like you can't say 15 minutes versus 45 minutes versus three oh, well, there, weeks I mean, from there now. You go, right? Like you, they need immediate <laughs> gratification, immediate reinforcement, immediate, all of the things, right? So future plan, not so awesome. Uh, so, so for something, so like, if that's like what, you know, and I don't know nearly enough about ADHD to like actually kind of talk mm-hmm. about this. And I'm obviously not a doctor of any kind, but, um, <laughs> but for something for him, like as, as an adult, if that's something that you are concerned and like, obviously like as he like grows and realizes that he needs to like have savings for whatever reason and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, like something that would be probably a really sh- like strong, um, kind of like tactic for him is to have it like automatically come out of his paycheck and like never get it. Like, you know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. what works for so many people like ADHD or otherwise is you just, it kind of removes the temptation because then it just goes away. And if, if you don't see it, you can't spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for down the road. Um, and for now, like, so maybe they need to pick something that they do want to save for because if they've never had that experience mm-hmm. or maybe even better is they get to the point where they want the expensive thing and they haven't saved for it. And then they have to deal with the not having of it now. Totally. And I feel like that's a surefire way mm-hmm. to teach them. And now this is why we save. And then they get to save up for it. And then they get that like insane gratification of having done it all on their own. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, totally. I can definitely see how trying to like teach that lesson would be way, way harder when they don't have a specific goal in mind. Well, that's it. Right. And that's totally true of many of my adult clients. Like yeah. trying to convince people to save money just to save it is like, why? Exactly. Like that's not a 13 year old thing. That's just like a human thing. Whereas yeah. I want to take a year off of work. So I'm going to save all this money. Like that's a really strong motivator. Yeah, exactly. You know? So like for six months, I put 50% of my paycheck away. Right yeah. now we're lucky that we're a two income family. Like that was actually, we, it was a test to see if we could survive on 50% of like less coming in. Right. Um, and cause I'm the, also the primary breadwinner. And then, um, to see, and then to have it, to know, to prove that we could live on that. And then to continue to live on that for the time yeah. of the five months sabbatical. But yeah. now that I've done it, I will say I have an intention to probably not as far as 50%, cause that is quite restrictive. Um, but to take a large chunk every two weeks and put it into a savings account and because we don't have a ton of savings and that is something that weighs on me, you know, it's like, it's all of the stuff that you work with people on. Um, yep. <laughs> and I want to, and now that I've sort of proven that I can, I, I want to see that number grow. Absolutely. And it's not well, for anything specific. It gets, it gets to the point where you like just seeing the number grow, like that's the satisfaction. hundred percent. Right? Like, like I don't have anything like specific yeah. to save yeah. for. I just want to see that number grow because that will make me feel better. Exactly. You know, like that will just make me feel more secure. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. That might actually be so a really things. good example for your kids to just kind of talk through though and be like, Hey, like mom hasn't gone to work for five months. That's why you save. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I obviously don't know like the, the exact specific of your situation, but like, I'm sure they noticed that like you stopped going to work or, or, oh, or however that looked yeah. like for you. So like, 100%. that might be a beautiful conversation. Be like, um, this is why, because I yeah. saved a whole bunch of money. And so totally. now I don't have to go to work. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And they, right. they love it. Like I, well, my daughter loves it. I think my son loves it too. <laughs> like I'm walking my daughter to school every day and, you know, like I'm doing things that I wouldn't normally, I'm home when they get home from school as opposed exactly. to six 30 or seven o'clock at night. So exactly. Um, and they will see it when I go back to work in February. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I have some questions that I ask all of my guests. So yes. first one, how do you define balance for yourself and your family? If you do, some people have very big feelings about balance. So I think that, and I've done a lot of work on this recently, so my mm -hmm. definition is kind of still fluid, but I think that it's not really that you just like achieve like perfect balance between everything forever, mm -hmm. but it's more, you have to just kind of like decide what season of life you're in and what's going to be like how you're going to be out of balance. Mm. Right. So like right now for us, the season is my husband works like an insane person and like, he's actually deployed right now. So like, oh, wow. he's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, we just don't have a ton of him physically in the house, like on a regular basis. And we know it's not going to last forever. And like, if I had my, if I could wave my magic wand, like he would be home by 5 PM every day and it would mm -hmm. be fantastic, but that's just not the season of life that we're in as a family. So we're out of balance in that respect, but I know that it's a season and it's going to come around, even if it takes, you know, months or years or, or whatever that is. Um, and same kind of like with me and my business, like right now, I am, especially because my husband's gone, like I, it's important, it's very important to me that I have like a pretty even balance between work and kids for me, because I don't have him to kind mm -hmm. of feel like pick up for me. I'm kind of picking up for him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, totally. for me, balance is less about actual balance and kind of just intentionally deciding how you're going to be out of balance that and for how long 
and then leaning into that. And then when the time comes to shift, then intentionally shifting it kind of back into the other direction. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I love it. All right. In all of that, uh, balance, non-balance out of balance. Do you make time for self-care and what does that look like for you? Yes. Um, that for me is coaching. Like Mm. I have a coach, I am Mm -hmm. a coach. I think everybody in the whole world needs a coach. I have not come across a person who genuinely doesn't need one. Mm. Um, that's obviously my opinion. And I am very (laughs) passionate about this work since it's turned into like my life life mission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my version of self-care is really working on my mindset and managing my mind and doing my self-coaching that I work on for a little bit every day. Um, not every single day, most days, right? Like I'm still (laughs) human. Um, and then I have a coach that I, you know, I have a business coach and I have a life coach and we work on those different things. Amazing. Um, Yeah. That has been, that is, that is for sure the best money that I spend without a doubt. That's awesome. I love that. I have not had that answer before. I love it. All right. What is the biggest lesson you have learned so far as a mom? Oh, as a mom, <laughs> um, they're going to do whatever they want to do, regardless of what I tell them. <laughs> I was actually so good really... as a mom of a three and a one-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> right? I was really surprised to see how early my oldest, my daughter developed like a very strong opinion about things. <laughs> I was like, What? I thought I had years before this happened. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, that's, I kind of say that jokingly, but at the end of the day, like, even though they're kids, they still have a mind of their own and they still have total agency and they can choose to listen to me or they can choose to not. And the biggest lesson that I've learned that I work on almost every day still is that I, I've recently become very intentional about what my definition of a good mom is mm. and that has really shifted a lot for me because when I started to kind of like dive down that rabbit hole, like in my own self-coaching, I realized that I had like the definition that I had that I didn't know I had was in complete contradictory of each other. And that's why like, I felt terrible all the time because I couldn't possibly like do it all at the same time. And as soon as I saw it kind of like coming back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like when sometimes you just bring up the the awareness and it's very easy to drop. I was like, oh, well, this is ridiculous. Like, of course (laughs) I can't do both at the same time. Like it can't be night and day at the exact same time. This is silly. And so that was very easy for me to drop. And then I have been very intentional about deciding what it does mean for me to be a good mom to me. And that has helped me kind of take off a lot of like the judgment and the guilt and the shame Mm. that I feel now there's still plenty of it, right? Like I'm still human and I still have toddlers and I still do this work continuously. Um, which is why I think it's so important that everybody has a coach, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) but that's been the biggest thing to me is like really like decide intentionally, like what your definition of being a good mom is and then stick to that. And what everybody else thinks is just none of your business. That's a great point. Love it. Awesome. Now, how can our listeners connect with you, follow you, hire you, all the things? Um, my website is kaylalyon.com, K-A-Y-L-A-L-Y-O-N.com. Um, and on Instagram and Facebook, I'm Kayla M. J. Lyon. Um, and if you want, I can send you the link for my, um, yeah. kind of like my money mindset workbook, um, for you to include in the show notes. And I also, um, offer a free 60 minute kind of like consult, like mini session, um, coaching call that I'm happy to provide you with that link as well. If any of your listeners are interested, I would love to chat. Amazing. I will include all of that in the show notes. That is perfect. Awesome. Thank well, you. 
Thank you. And thank you for my own little mini coaching session on my <laughs> limiting beliefs. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. This has been great. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. It has given me a lot to think about. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for um, having me. This has been so much fun. And I really hope that I'm able to help at least one person. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you've helped me. So mission accomplished. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I started Mom Camp Ignite, the membership community, as just that, a community, but it is so much more than that. It is basically like your own personal subscription for monthly personal development with topics and experts specifically to do with mom stuff. We've got you know decluttering, stress management, meal planning, sexual health, confidence, energy, EFT tapping. We've got all kinds of different topics coming up each month with experts doing a live Zoom call once a month with us where we can have the workshop and then have a Q&A and followed up by a mom's night in social hour. It is fantastic. This is something just for you as a mom. This isn't for anybody else. This is something to lift you up, to inspire you, to help you feel fulfilled and full of energy and just living the best life possible. I am so excited about what Mom Camp Ignite is becoming, and I would love to see you join us. For all the information and to get signed up, you can go to momcamplife.com ignite. All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at momcamplife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.